So this is a collection of newscasts from January 2020. And I figured you guys' anxiety levels were not high enough, so we'd crank something out and get it going. This is a, this is a map of the fires in Australia that were going on. And, and, and really, because it's so speckled and because it's so small for you guys in the back of the room, it, it probably doesn't look like much. But when you consider Australia and the size of Australia, this is a massive portion of Australia that was in fire, on fire in January. And uh, these, are, these are large, large swaths of land. They said, they said the fires were as large as Belgium and Denmark put together, and that the plume of smoke could be seen in Chile, uh, which was 7,500 miles away. That's how massive these fires were. And those, those locust swarms you saw, I, I read one quote that said these swarms were bigger than cities. Uh, they're, the, they're the largest locust swarms in, in decades in, in East Africa. And this is, this is apart from, what's, what's the big news today? What's the big thing haunting our world? The pandemic. This was, this was stuff going on, like right as the pandemic was starting to gain traction. And, and most likely the earthquakes, the landslides, the locust swarms, the fires, the dust clouds. All, it seems pretty apocalyptic to me. If you, I mean, doesn't it, doesn't it seem like end of days type stuff? But, but the reality is this end of days type stuff occurs pretty often all over the world. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy chaotic world that we live in and 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 that doesn't talk about the pandemic that's hit and and the loss of lives and, and it, it doesn't talk about the racial tension that, that we're seeing in the world and, and in my in, in my hope the racial healing that we're seeing in the world but 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 we're seeing protests and, and riots and and violence and and verbose demonstrations and it's, it's, a, it's a strange, strange world that we live in. And, and today, actually, I'm, I'm hanging out in the back. You, you guys might have seen me in the coffee bar back there. And I've been feeling a little bit under the weather this week. And so better safe than sorry. I'm just trying to keep my distance. It's not because I'm an introverted pastor and they stuck me back there to hide. It's, uh, it's, it's because I, I want to make sure everybody stays safe. So I even wanted to make sure nobody was in the front row. I, I think I'm, it's allergies. I'm fine. But that's the world we live in is... <coughs> Anybody done that in a restaurant recently and felt like all eyes were on them, right? It's, it's just, a, it's just a, a strange, chaotic world. I saw this, and, and it's producing some interesting memes. If 2020 was a bag of chips, it would be orange juice and toothpaste flavored. I saw this meme from Back to the Future. Marty, whatever happens, don't ever go to 2020. And so 2020 is a wild world, and, and anxiety levels are higher than normal, and that, that doesn't include the normal life anxiety. I mean, life is, is hard enough without a pandemic. It's hard enough without wondering which parts of town are safe to go to and which parts aren't, which, you know, it's hard enough without a good percentage of your country burning to the ground. That's, you know, there's, there's work stress and relational stress. And I mean, if you, if you just want to focus your entire life on relational stress, that would be enough anxiety for the day, right? If you wanted to worry just about work or finances or, or health or your sexuality and and then more existential stuff like meaning, finding purpose in life. You could, you could spend your whole life worrying about, do I matter? I, I was talking to a friend this morning that said, I, I've been, I've been talking, thinking through this idea of, does what I do matter? And there's just a, there's a lot to be anxious about, a lot to be worried about. And, and then we see in the gospel, Jesus saying things like, do not worry. He just said it straight. It's almost like one of the Ten Commandments, do not worry. So how do we do this? And I, I'm, we've been kind of stuck on this concept of peace and 
finding peace in turmoil recently, and I, I'm fine to hang out there. I think, I think our world needs it. We need to talk about where does peace come from and how do we acquire it? How do we walk in peace? How do we walk in, in this soundness and wholeness that we've been talking about? I, I talked to a, a good friend this week that, that normally doesn't deal with what you would call uh, anxiety or depression, but boy, current events and current life is really stirring something up in this person and making it hard. And I think especially if you're a person that normally deals with what they would call clinical anxiety or depression or concern or stress. Wow, what a, t- what a time to be alive. And so I think it's important that we, we kind of camp out on this one beatitude that we've been d- discussing where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And I, I want to talk this week about a how-to guide to sweet, deep sleep. Uh, I, I know there's, and I confessed this a couple of weeks ago that I a lot of times when I climb in bed at night, my, my thought is, well, there's one more day gone. Like I'm one more step towards the end of it all. And probably this time tomorrow night, I'll be thinking the same thing. And it's easy just to lay in bed and worry. It's easy to lay in bed and be stressed. And your concerns might not be my concerns. And they might not be the concerns of the person next to you, but we all have them. We all have stuff that we're worried about. We all have stuff we're concerned about. So how do we get a good night's sleep? How do we and I mean that figuratively. I mean, how, how do we find ourselves in a position where we can rest and have, have consistent and constant peace? This is the passage that we're camping out on for, <laughs> I, said, I said one week, and then I said two and three. We may, we may end up a month on just this one, one passage. And it's, blessed are the arenopoioi, which is the Greek word for peace. It's translated into English as peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And last week, if, if you didn't get a chance, it was a or two weeks ago, Joseph Bond did an incredible job last week, and we really appreciate him preaching, so make sure and watch that if you didn't see it. But two weeks ago, I talked about Irene Opoioi and, and what, it, what it's made up of, and it's made up of two words, Irene and Poieo in the Greek, and we talked about what those words mean. And I, it's important that we touch base back on what, what those means so that we can move forward. And Irene was actually the, the Greek goddess of spring. She was the goddess of abundance. Um, she was, she was always symbolized with a scepter and a torch and, and food and water in her possession. She was, uh, when, when you needed abundance, when you needed your crops to be healthy, she's the one you prayed to. And the Greeks knew this. When, when it was the Ereno Poyoi, it was the, the spring. Spring is, spring is there was winter, there was darkness, there was cold, and now there's warmth and life and the flowers are blooming. The rains are falling and the crops are making headway. And, and that, that's, that's what you hear when you hear the word Ereno, which we translated into English as peace, and it's actually kind of unfortunate that we do that because there's so much more to it than that. Irene symbolizes wholeness and health and soundness and restoration and being repaired and made right and made complete, made as it, as it was meant to be. It's, it's, it's like wellness. It's like overarching wellness in your life. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the Irene Poyoi, he wasn't saying blessed are the ones who feel good about life and can sleep peacefully. He's saying blessed are the ones who have wellness, who are wellness makers in their own lives, and in the lives of others. And they will be called the sons of God. They have the DNA of God when they become wellness generators or factories that we're going to talk about. Poeo, so it's Irene, Poeo. Irene is wellness, soundness, fullness. Poeo is, it's kind of like creation or manufacturing or constructing. It's, it's there was, some, something was missing and then something was there to fill the gap. Um, you, you could say that God, poeo, that you, the root poeo could be similar to when God spoke the world into existence. He, he created it. It wasn't there, and then it was. And 
there's friction between you and another person. You could put, you could bring peace into that situation. You're creating something that wasn't there before. But, but this word has an art, artistic root to it. It's like the sculptors and the artists and the poets and the philosophers. They're poeo. They, they, there's something that is not there, and then they create it. But they create it from the depths of themselves. So if, I, if Paul is a, a visual artist that works in oil, works in a lot of mediums and does a lot of paintings. If you go to his house, I'm so jealous of him. If you go to his house, his house is decorated with stuff that he created, and that's poeo. And when you see those creations, you see those drawings, you see those etchings, you see the sculpture, you see the poem, you see the, the, the work of philosophy. It's something that kind of started inside someone and came out to become something tangible or visual or life-changing or altering. And so when somebody, somebody is an ereno poioi, a peacemaker, it means something inside them wells up and comes out and creates wellness in themselves and in others. It's like this generated thing that constructs and creates, but it, it comes out of you. And so today we're going to focus on that, that personal erene, that personal peace, that personal wellness and soundness. How do you, how do you get there? What, is, what does it take? Um, so I'm going to compare it to a peace factory. And that's kind of what Oreno Poyoi means. It's a peace factory or a peace generator or a, a wellness construction site. It's, 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 it's like this source. It's, if you went to a well, you'd get water. Well, if you went to a person who is Oreno Poyoi, you're going to get peace. They, it, it's, it's in their depths, and you can get it out of them. And I'm going to talk about today how do, how do we become this peace factory? How do we become people who generate Oreno? How do we become people who generate wellness and wholeness and things as they were meant to be. And we're going to start right here with finding a need. If you're, if you're going to create a, a factory that's going to generate something, you're, you're going to generate it for a purpose, right? You're not just going to say, we're going to make such and such, but nobody really cares about such and such. We're going to, we're going to make rocks that are red and green and try to sell them to the world. Well, people can get those anywhere. There's no need for it. But if you're going to create a widget, the first thing you do is say, does the world need a widget? Right? If I'm, if I'm going to create something, I want it to be valuable. And so first we're going to talk about the need that's there, the need for these arene poyoi, the, the need for people to be peacemakers. And, and peacemakers doesn't just mean making things right between me and you. It means wholeness everywhere. It means taking the kingdom of God to all corners of the world. And the world needs it desperately. Anybody recognize this guy by any chance? Ronnie Coleman, that's right. And why is Ronnie Coleman important? Dylan says he's a big-time bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie Coleman was a six-time Mr. Olympiad. And uh, is it Olympia or Olympiad? Olympia. That's what I said, Olympia. And, and this is a huge, huge deal. I mean, to win it once is amazing. To win it twice is unbelievable. To win it six times is unthinkable. And yet he did. But the picture on the right is him in recent years. And he's had multiple surgeries, and they've, they've tweaked their training quite a bit in bodybuilding nowadays where it's not quite as dangerous as it was in his day. But he's had multiple back surgeries, and, and, and there's, a, there's a Netflix documentary on his life, and he basically rolls out of bed every morning and gets his little sticks and walks to see his doctor. And he goes and he lifts weights, but he just he's a shell of what he once was physically. And I've, I've noticed this in my own life. I'm 46 years old now, and I... I talked about my golf swing recently, and uh, even, even as, as soon as three years ago, I was able to hit the ball about 20% further than I can hit it today. I had a minor back surgery this year, and 
I've, I've noticed what I used to hit a seven iron, now I'm hitting a six iron. And what I used to hit a six iron, now I'm hitting a five iron. And my body is just kind of betraying me. And no matter how much I work on my flexibility, no matter how much I work on my swing, I just notice the ball doesn't go quite as far as it used to. I used to be able to jump about this high, and today you can slide a credit card under me when I jump, and probably <laughs> I'd probably not be, do it very effectively. And my body is, is decaying. The reality is I'm going down. This body's going down, and as, as much as your anxiety levels may creep up, because we're going to deal with this, your body's going down too. The whole world is going down. There was a super smart guy called King Solomon, and King Solomon had the opportunity to ask God for anything. And what did he ask God for? Wisdom. And he's, he's said to be the wisest man that ever learned, lived, and that's, that's debatable. The man had 1,000 women in his life. He had 700, 700 wives and 300 concubines, so how wise could the guy actually be? What's that? Uh, yeah. You think you want to live in that situation? This is not a sexist thing at all. Just a thousand and one people in a house is a bad idea. Now, the, the, the reality is they were scattered all over the world. There's some political reasons why you would be married to someone that you actually never saw. But, but, but any, any, anyway, the guy wrote books of wisdom and wrote many proverbs. And he's, he's, uh, a, a lot of the, the wise stuff in the Bible is attributed to him. And he wrote, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is kind of his uh, magnum opus. It's his consummate work on... What does life mean? What is on existentialism? What, what, what is the meaning of life and what is the meaning of existence? And here's, here's how it starts. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. So this is him, King Solomon. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go. The sun rises, the sun sets. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Super uplifting guy, this King Solomon. This is his magnum opus on what it means to be alive, and he says it really doesn't matter. We're all going down. Nobody's going to remember your name. Nobody's going to remember my name. Nobody's going to remember the people that come after me. They're going to be dead and gone and forever, forever away. Nobody will care. Nah. This is, this is his work of wisdom, right? We watched a, a movie called Greater this week. It's the story of Brandon Burlesworth. And if you, if you liked Rudy, you would like the movie Greater. But Brandon Burlesworth was the... Uh, He's considered the greatest walk-on football player in NCAA history. So he started off as kind of a schmo that couldn't play football. He was severely overweight and slow. But they let him walk on as, as one of the guys who held the tackle dummies for the, for the B team, basically. And he, became, he, he decided that he was going to work really hard, and he did. He worked hard, worked hard. And the guy loved Jesus, and everywhere he went, he talked about Jesus and made decisions based on what Jesus wanted. And just seemed like a super individual. He's kind of the Tim Tebow of, uh, of NCAA football, except I guess Tim Tebow was NCAA football too, which totally defeats what I just said, so <laughs> never mind that. But there's this conversation that occurs in the movie with the quarterback of their team. And he, he eventually makes, makes the A team, becomes, uh, and actually is really close. He, he's... he's He's drafted by the Indianapolis Colts, and I won't, I won't tell you the rest of the movie. You can see it yourself. But he, he went from 
kind of a nobody where football was concerned to one of the biggest names in the country where football was concerned. And this conversation he had with his quarterback, his quarterback, they were talking about the championship that year. And his quarterback says to him, he says, nobody's going to remember who won the national championship, which isn't true. There's probably people in the room that can name everyone who won the national championship for the last 10 years. But for the most part in this room, nobody knows who won the national championship last year, much less five years ago. And that's how this conversation went. He said, look, five years from now, people will have to get online to find out who won the national championship. And even if you remember who won the national championship in 1998, odds are you couldn't name four players on the team. And it ties into what, this, what King Solomon was saying was, this is all meaningless. Even, even winning the national title, the cheers, the, the, the music, the, the party afterwards, everybody excited, the, the people driving through the streets honking their horns. A couple days later, it was all over. Like, like, what is there in this life that is really important? What is there in this life? Even, even the big stuff. Now, we know his name because a movie has been made of him, but 300 years from now, will that movie even be around? Three trillion years from now, will it be? And I, I, I want to, we'll, we'll continue here in Ecclesiastes because it gets worse, if, if you can believe it. Solomon says, I applied my mind to study and to explore wisdom and all the things that are done are meaningless, chasing after the wind. Man, I, I worked hard to study and figure out what this whole life was about. And you know what I came up with? <laughs> Nothing. With much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge the more grief. The more you figure this world out, the more you see it's going down, the more you see that this place is just kind of not worth investing in. One of these days, a dust cloud is going to cover it all. One of these days, it's going to all be gone. And so I say all that with a purpose. I promise it's not to beat you up. I promise it's not to try to kick, you, kick your legs out from under you during a time that's chaotic. It's to say that there's this place that I'm going to call a healthy pseudo-nihilism that I think Christians should embrace. Now, nihilism or nihilism, depending on your pronunciation, is kind of this idea that, that Solomon was espousing, is that meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. We're all going to die. We're all going to go to the grave. We'll all ultimately be forgotten. But the nihilist says, and that's the end of the story. That's why I said a healthy pseudo-nihilism. So a nihilist or a nihilist thinks that it's, it all ends, and it all ends. It's done. You had your shot. Hope it went well for you. But the Christian says it's all going to end. And that end, the, the period at the end of that sentence is just the beginning of another paragraph. It's just the, the, it's the beginning of, a, of another journal. It's the beginning of a set of encyclopedias that goes on forever. So when I say embrace a, pseudo healthy, a healthy pseudo-nihilism, I'm not saying give up on everything. I'm saying figure out what is and isn't worth investing in. Figure out what is and isn't important in this life where this life is going down. Scriptures replete with situations where it talks about this life going down. 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away. 2 Peter, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And the earth and its works will be burned up. Psalm 144.4, man is like a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Now, don't let this frustrate you. Don't let this stress you. Let this be a, an anchor you hold on to that says, whatever happens, this is not what matters. There's something more to life than this life. 
There's something beyond this life. And that's where your expectations are. That's where your center is. That's where your, that's where your confidence is. Not here, because here will, will fail you, period. You will not win here. The only thing that wins here is the investment in there. So when we're looking for, when we're looking for a need, here's, here's the need. The world is in chaos. The world is going down. That's where it starts. Now, what do we, where do we find answers? Well, if you're a company and you found out that there's a need out there, there's, there, there's a need for people who have three-level homes and two-level homes to have effective fire escapes, for example. Now you have to do what they call research and design. How do we do this safely? How do we create a, a product that people need and a product that works and a product that's safe and a product that will pass inspection and that we can mass produce? So you start doing research and design. So you, you find the need, and then when you attempt to fill the need, now you have to think about how do you fill the need. And the nice thing about this is a lot of this work has been done for us, and it's been done through a person who appeared in history, and his name was Jesus. There's, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that when Jesus performed a miracle, there was this tangible, physical miracle that happened, but there was always a lesson underneath it. So when he touched a person who had blind eyes and had never seen in their life, and all of a sudden they could see, there was a physical healing that occurred, and, and all of a sudden this person could physically, literally see but he was saying to the entire world, I am the person who opens eyes. I am the person who will let you see. There's a figurative lesson in all of his miracles. And in this particular situation, this is a painting of, of a night where Jesus was sleeping on a boat when everybody else was panicking and freaking out because the storms and the wind and the waves had come so high and they're shaking him and waking him up saying, Jesus, Jesus, do something. And he speaks to the storm and the seas are calmed. And then they're like, this guy really is the Messiah. This guy really is a miracle worker. They were amazed by it. And we don't have time today to go into, we've done many sermons in the past on why believe the Jesus thing. Like why embrace Jesus? And we're not going to go into that today. But when we talk about this world is kind of collapsing and that's the concern is how do we, how do we find peace in that world where it's all going down? We're looking for someone who's connected to the next world. We're looking for someone who's connected to the, the other world. And that's one thing you see about Jesus constantly in his ministry is he's not here. He's, he's somewhere beyond here. He's transcendent over his circumstances and over his situation. That's, that's the way Jesus walked. And he, was, he exhibited peace. <laughs> this is a perfect situation. The storms were wailing. I, I, there was a band called Seeds that I used to listen to. And they would do this thing on stage where the guy would start to tell the story. And the girl back on the keyboard would start going, making bird noises. And then the guy on the drums would start going. And the, the whole band would start making all this noise. And eventually it was this cacophony of sound and, and chaos and, blah, blah, and screaming and screaming and screaming. And the, the lead singer would say, peace. And the band would go quiet. And this is, this is the kind of God, like, like when, when God became flesh, that's, that's the stuff he did. He slept on the boat when everybody else was freaking out. He exhibited peace. And he exhibited, so not just peace is in calm and clarity, but peace like we've been talking about, Irene. He's a guy who had it all together. He's a guy who didn't fail. He's a guy that showed soundness in every situation he was in. He's the only one who's ever done it perfectly. And he offered peace. Near the end of his life, he said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world, not as this place that's going down gives. He says, but my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. This is the Jesus that showed up in history and showed the answer to our need.
There's a moment when another storm is occurring and Jesus comes walking on the water and this is his answer to them. They're freaking out saying, we're going to die, we're going to drown, all is lost. And this is Jesus' answer. He says, take courage. (laughs) What an arrogant thing to say if you're not God. Take courage, it's me. But that's what Jesus says in the middle of chaos. He doesn't say, take courage, everything will be well. He doesn't say, take courage, you're not going to die. He says, take courage, here I am. Don't be afraid. The answer is found somewhere in him. Ephesians tells us that he himself is our arene. The arene of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Where? In Christ Jesus. So when we're looking for the product, when we're, the, the, the need is chaos. The need is that people can't sleep at night. The need is that people are in a world that is going down and will forever be going down. What, is, what does research and design tell us? That there's this one who can fix that. There's this one who can intervene in that and step into it and make a difference. I do a devotional pretty regularly called First 15. I, I really recommend it. The guy does an, an incredible job of, of pushing out exceptional content, in my opinion. A couple weeks ago, he was talking about the foundation of our confidence, the foundation of our satisfaction in life, the foundation of our security. And this is, this is what he said. He says, when we seek a fresh revelation of God's unconditional love, we naturally become secure and unshakable. Then he says, may God's affection be your foundation today. What is it that you stand on? When you you lay in bed at night and you think the world is literally burning, when you lay in bed at night and say, my friend is sick, when you lay in bed at night and say, my job is not secure, how is my family going to be fed? Or worse than that, maybe there's intense shame. Maybe there's things you did or things you said or relationships that you burned that you just can't, can't come to grips with. What this author would say is let the unconditional love of God be the foundation you build your life on. If you, if you start to recognize that, that Jesus came to know you and to be known, and that's where you start, that's the beginning of a, a house built on stone, which we'll talk about in a moment. That's, a, that's, the beginning of a, that's a foundation that will forever hold, even when the world burns, even when everything else goes down, that foundation will stay strong. I want to encourage you to establish a pipeline. So once you've figured out that there's a need and once you've done some research and design and you know what you're, gonna, what you're want, wanting to manufacture, which in our case is peace, now how do you do it? Well, you've got to have the raw materials to come in, right? You've got to have the stuff coming in constantly that you're going to put together in a process to, to kick that product out. I, I lived in a, I've always lived in some kind of communal situation since college, lived with roommates and, and houses full of people. And this is not the actual drain that I had to clean out, but there was a basement at one of the houses we lived in. Paul, were you around when this happened? The, the house filled with sewage? Do you? So it was, it was this uh, a clean-out valve, and for whatever reason, whoever designed this house put it about four feet up on one of the walls, Right? And the drains had been clogged for a while. And to get to the clog, we had to unscrew that clean-out in the house in this basement. And apparently the clog had caused some kind of a, a backup. And I, 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 thinking back, I was young and stupid. Like, we should have had big vats full of, you know, empty tubs there to collect whatever came out of this thing, but we didn't. We opened that thing, and it sprayed out. 
And it, it filled the floor about that deep with sewage for about 25 feet. <laughs> it's so disgusting. And, and we had to take a snake and run it through that drain and clean that thing out in order to fix the clog, in order to recap it. But then we were left with all this sewage in our house. And I, I say all that to say that the pipeline that you have into your life when it comes to peace, when it comes to soundness, it matters. And if you're going to build something and you're going to build it well, you have to have the right raw materials coming in. And you can imagine it took us hours of, of wet dry vacuuming and mopping and cleaning. And, and ultimately, nobody ever wanted to be in that room again anyway, right? And we, we have this tendency to let all this kind of crap fill our lives. The sources that we, we get fed from, the, the pipelines that we have into our house are feeding us junk all the time. And it, and it could be a news source. It could be movies. It could be pornography. It could be relationships that are sour and south and you have no business being in. But I want to encourage you that if you really want soundness, if you really want peace, if you really want arene, this is, this is where it starts, is what, what pipeline are you feeding your life with? What, what are you allowing in? And I'm, I'm not going to tell you today very much on specifics of where you should be looking, except to say you should look. You should take the time to say, what, what are the raw materials that I'm bringing into my home, and how is that affecting my peace? Because it's, you're going to find it. If you'll look for it, you're going to find that there's stuff that's feeding you that isn't healthy. There's stuff seeping into your home that isn't good. And this isn't to say that God hates you and you're bad and he wants to kick your butt and say, you sinner, you should repent. This is to say that he wants, what is, he wants you to have a healthy home. He wants you to build on that foundation of his love and build something spectacular. And as long as there's sewage seeping in, that's going to be really, really difficult, if not impossible to do. So examine your life and say, where is the junk? And then decide that you're going to fill yourself with the good stuff. Isaiah says this, it says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Where is your mind? It's stayed on him. So when you're laying in bed at night and you're feeling the anxiety of the virus and you're feeling the anxiety of the work situation and the anxiety of the relationship that's gone south or, or just general concerns about how you're going to live, I'm telling you, take some time and shift. Take some time and and, and, and create a pipeline between you and God where he feeds you the good stuff. Take some time to turn towards him. Metoneia in the Greek is repentance. And repentance doesn't mean stop doing bad stuff. It literally means to turn. When you're feeling stress, when you're feeling anxiety, and this, this isn't to diminish the need for medicine or a psychiatrist. I think, I, I think I'm, I'm of the opinion every Christian ought to have a good therapist. It's, it's not to say that you, you, you don't need professional help, but I'm saying this is part of the process, is that you turn your mind towards what is good. You allow that pipeline to feed you. And there's many ways you can do that. Philippians tells us this. It says, finally, brothers. He says, finally, basically, okay, I'm a, this, this, is the, this, is, this is the climax of the story right here. He says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, anything of excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You can, I think any good Christian teacher would say that you can control where your mind goes. You can't always control, control how it gets there or what bumps you in certain ways, but, but the, you do have the capacity to say, well, I'm thinking about junk right now. I'm thinking about stuff that's going to destroy me. You can make a choice. Like right now, you're, you, can, you can choose to think about what you want to think about. Just do it. Do it. Think, think about something. Whatever it is, you can do it. This says think about the pure stuff. 
Think about the good stuff. Think about the real stuff. Think about what is true. Somehow, some way, this pipeline is feeding your mind full of what is healthy and not feeding it full of what is cruddy. I'm going to close with, I've got so much more, we'll, we'll just continue this for weeks and weeks probably. I'm just, I'm just feeling that people are freaked out. And I know not all of you are. But I'm, feel, I'm feeling the weight of a world right now. And, and you're, not, you're not our only viewers. We have, we have three cameras set up right now. Lots and lots of people will hear this. And I'm, I'm just feeling this, that people need to know it's going to be okay. Not because this is going to be okay, because this is not going to be okay. But this is going to be okay. Turn towards it. I want to encourage you to find some place for solitude and peace and reading. Study the scriptures. Find some peacemakers. And this is, this is where I'm going to hang out next time is filling your mind full of the good stuff. And eventually we're going to get to how does an individual with individual peace affect societal peace. I mean, blessed are the peacemakers. We could be on this for weeks. But it's filling yourself with the word of God. And by the word of God, I mean the voice of God, hearing what God has to say. It's, it's connecting with peacemakers. It's people who build you up instead of tearing you down, people who invest in your life and and encourage you, finding those people. And this is, this is the last thought I have for you. And this is, this is the sermon and everything else was filler up till this point. I see that people need to be on their knees, literally. You, the concept of being on your knees, physically, literally on your knees, might be something that you've never experienced before in your life. And you may, you may see yourself as too dignified for that. You may see yourself as, well, I don't... I don't really need that or eh, I can, I can pray in any posture I want. I'm telling you, there's something about literally burying your face in a couch and saying, help me. God, I'm here. And allowing that pipeline to start filling your house with the good stuff. As a, you know, we mentioned meaning and talking to my friend this morning about purpose and whether their life matters and whether what they do matters. And here's, here's where a pastor hangs out in that situation is, does, does what I say really matter in that are any of you actually going to go home and spend time on your knees? And I, my life would be, and I'm not saying this to fulfill my life, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying I really mean this. I really mean it. There's something to getting on your knees, burying your face in a pillow, and saying, God, here I am. And making that a constant, consistent practice in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that and see See if Irene doesn't start to well up in you so that you can become a peace generator, a peace factory. Because that's what you, you gotta have it coming in to give it out. You gotta have it coming in to have it inside. And, and in my opinion, this is a huge step in the right direction. Bury your face in a pillow and face off with God.